Hi, I'm your host, James Barrow, a creative turned marketing director with over 20 years' experience in the advertising industry. Join me as I go behind the scenes with a range of innovative thinkers. Hear what inspires them, their processes, and the methods to their madness. Find insights that can help unlock your creative potential and apply them in your life, career, and business. Right here on The B-Side with James Barrow. Can graffiti and hip-hop be used for good? On episode 31 of The B-Side, I speak to Matthew Peat, a.k.a. Mystery, one of Australia's most long-standing, influential, and prolific graffiti writers, and a pioneer of hip-hop culture down under. Matt has been spraying walls, striking b-boy starters, spitting knowledge, and spreading the good word since the 80s. His work can be seen throughout Sydney and across the world from the UK, France, Belgium, USA, Germany, New Zealand, and he's been commissioned by companies like Coca-Cola, Sydney Theatre Company, the RTA, and even Mad Magazine, along with doing hundreds of pieces for many private or community organisations too. Mystery discusses using graffiti and hip-hop as a means of creative development and expression, rather than defiance of authority. We jam on the differences between street artists and graffiti writers and the nuances between the various styles. Matthew shares his creative process, of course, his approach to writing at scale, and how he comes up with his ideas. And we draw parallels between graffiti art and brand advertising, you know, where frequency, reach, context, novel uses of media, and a true understanding of your audience is crucial if you want your work to be seen and noted. Matthew Peake's work and energy really influenced me when I was a kid, and I find his art, his passion for hip-hop culture, and dedication to his community as inspiring today as ever. It is a cracking, a dope episode, and I hope you enjoy it as much as I did in recording it. Cheers. Britney Spears back in... (laughs) (laughs) And I'm recording. (laughs) Talk to us about your relationship with Britney Spears, Matthew Peake. Now, is it Matt Peake or Matthew Peake? I know I've known you for a very long time, but I don't think I've ever called you anything but mystery. (laughs) Uh, I don't know. I prefer Matthew to Matt, but either or is fine. Yeah, well, if you haven't realised, I'm here with the great and powerful mystery, a.k.a. Matt Peake or Matthew Peake. Being good Erskineville inner West boys that we are, we are in... Uh, Erskineville Park, which is a wonderful part of the world, maybe the best part of uh, Sydney, if not Australia. Um, Matt, how are you, man? I am wunderbar. Wunderbar. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't know why I said it in German, but anyway. That, no, excellent. It's a beautiful day. It's a wonderful day. And we're sitting in the park. So. And we're finally here, man. We couldn't sort of align. We've been yes. communicating through Instagram. It's one of those things. It's like, because I haven't seen you so long. We're very, I know your brother, um, Evan Pete, Reverend Ev. Shout outs to Rev quite well. And Matt, just for the listeners, Matt and I grew up in pretty much the same part of Petersham, which is a, a suburb in the inner west of Sydney. Uh, if arguably the, the heart of hip hop culture in Sydney or the start of hip hop, hip hop. It was culture. a lot. Yeah, definitely. Um, uh, Matt's uh, pieces emblazoned pretty much every wall in Petersham and still do. I think there's one up on them. Um, there's still a few. There's still, yeah, there's a couple. Yeah. But uh, thank you so much for being on the podcast, man. Oh, good. It's, yeah. It took some time to, to organise, but yeah. we're here now. You're yeah. disappointed when you saw me. You're like, oh, gee, what happened to him? He's had a hard life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, mate, you, have, you still look like the 19 year old. I'm looking dude, a bit like, like a glam rock guy at the yeah, moment. I've got long hair. Kid rock. Yeah, more Kid Rock, less, less Kid Rock's rock. better-looking brother. Yeah. <laughs> hey, uh, why don't we, for the listeners, why don't you, you know more about your background than I do. I can drop little hints and, and um, then we can jam on, you know, all things creativity and so on. So, which is right up your alley given you're one of the preeminent graph writers and uh, Thank you. Thank hip-hop you. cultural experts Thanks. in Sydney. Most of, m- most of it I'll make up um, and people will probably fact check me and go, no, that's wrong. But um, <laughs> yeah, uh, originally from Bankstown, so born and bred in Bankstown, um, got involved in hip hop culture in the early 1980s, initially as a b-boy, then that sort of led me to graph and emceeing, uh, moved into the inner west in, in the mid, mid 80s, I think maybe 86 or something like that. And um, yeah, love a whole bunch of things. Into, into my martial arts, into, uh, yeah, uh, stumbled on, onto faith and, and am now a, a minister, uh, do community work as well. And, um, yeah, that's about it. Maybe we could talk a little bit about, um, the influence hip hop culture had on you around about that time. And did it start in Bankstown or did it start in Petersham? You're talking late 80s. 
sorry, mid to late 80s where it just seemed to explode. Um, yeah. So for me, uh, it was an, in Bankstown originally. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and I got involved in martial arts first. Oh, right. I was yeah. never into sport. And, you know, like sport is the religion of Australia. And, mm-hmm. and uh, I just... I don't know, I just saw it as a bit of a futile exercise. But for me, martial arts had the added sort of benefit that you could defend yourself, you know. And growing up in the neighbourhood, you know, you every, there's times when you have to throw down. And so got involved in that. But I really loved the whole thing of, like, learning about history, like pushing yourself to, like, the next level and, and all those things, which sort of set me up for when hip-hop came along because... It has all of those those aspects. Yeah. What martial arts uh, did you study? Initially, I was doing all Japanese martial arts. So I did jiu-jitsu, judo, kendo, and kenjutsu, and uh, trained with, with a Japanese teacher. So I went back to Japan with him at one stage. And uh, and then I did ninjutsu for many years, which is another Japanese style, which is based on a lot of jiu-jitsu as well uh, in the unarmed aspect, taijutsu they call it. And then after that, started training Krav Maga the Israeli martial art. And so before COVID, uh, before the lockdowns and that, I was training You're still Krav, training. but I need to get back into it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The lockdowns have sort of put me out of whack and having two two children oh, and the insane. dad bod, um, <laughs> you know, my, my stamina ain't what it used to be. Oh, no, and know? it's funny, you kind of... Re- so I, I used to train Taekwondo. I got my black belt in Taekwondo, probably around mm. the same time I was living in we used to compete in under the WTF style rules, which is more the Olympic style rules. And yeah, WTF. That's kind of yeah, it's ironic. Right? Yeah, <laughs> yes. What the frig? Um, yeah, what the frig? And that's pretty much what I said. What the frig? Because there were no head punches and um, right. there were no leg kicks and there were no knees or anything else. Now I started training uh, with. Uh, soon after, I started training with Chan Chuck Fei in Chinatown and mm. and um, doing kickboxing and fell in love with that. Mm. And then I think to your point, it, it became too sport like. And I yeah. kind of I felt like I was lacking something that progression that spiritual aspect that I felt like I really enjoyed about yeah yeah um, Taekwondo and I moved to Kyokushin Karate and I've oh, been yeah. training in Kyokushin since forever yeah. and with COVID and a kid like yourself <laughs> that's throwing a massive spanner in the work so I yeah, know all yeah. about the dad board don't worry man <laughs> <laughs> in terms of martial arts though and hip hop uh, there's there's some really interesting ways that martial arts influenced hip hop culture this is only from what I've heard from the the New York history, uh, the fact that a lot of the cinemas in the the areas where hip hop developed from were showing kung fu movies, yeah. and uh, and even even your b boy poses are based on kung fu stances, yeah. and um, obviously you can see that in in rap music with groups like Wu Tang that their whole ethos is based on yeah. you know. Uh, Chinese culture and and uh, you know even in the movies like Breakin they're wearing like Japanese headbands and and Rising Sun and and, and all that sort of stuff which is influenced yeah. from Asian culture and you see the capoeira capoeira movies yeah. and you can see how even things like the flares and helicopter and spinning yeah, yeah, yeah. on your head and all that the jinga is like a top rock but yeah. the other way around yeah, yeah. hip hop culture came at around about the time when there was this awakening of subcultures and and so it wasn't just about hip hop culture it sort of opened your mind to other ethnicities or um religions or it just seemed like that what i felt do you feel the same way because i know we're in our little area there was a whole bunch of kids from all different backgrounds yeah yeah but the one thing we all loved was hip-hop yeah yeah i mean initially in bankstown the school that i went to was in thirds Mm. so i was a third arab a third anglo a third asian Mm. and um pre-hip-hop people sort of generally stuck to their communities. Because I was into martial arts, I hung out with a lot of the Asian guys, to be honest. Mm, mm. But when hip-hop came along, it didn't really matter because it was really about, yeah, how much you love the culture, but also what you could contribute. And so a few years ago, I sort of started using the phrase, skills is currency, yeah. where, like, it, if you can represent in an element, people will have respect for that. And instantly you're part of that community and and there's an example that i often give where my brother and i were over in dr congo funnily enough with my dad building rainwater tanks yeah Yeah. doing some humanitarian aid work with this group called hill africa and there's a bunch of dudes came up to us and and my brother and i you know we're hip-hop heads we were in like shelter adidas and baseball caps whatever graph shirts or whatever and these dudes they were like oh hey we heard that you guys are mcs and i was like oh the fact that you didn't say rapper means that you understand culture, the hip-hop culture. And they were like, yeah, man, we're, we're a crew. 
and let's kick it. So we were like, sweet, you know, so we were like freestyle ciphering with them and, and bits and pieces. And, and then they said, oh, tonight the, the B-boys are training. There's a crew from Uganda that are here and, and they're training in this hall. And, um, I remember we were driving middle of nowhere. There's this hall and I hear Jimmy cast a bunch. It's just begun coming through. Wow. You know, I was like, oh, it's B-boy, B-boy, you know, That's like surreal. it's legit. Yeah, yeah. And, um, and then, as soon as we walk in the door, you know, like everyone just like turns around like the cowboy movies, you know, and like the music stops, you know, yeah, yeah, and they were yeah. like, are you guys B-boys? And I was like, put that beat back on, you know, and yeah, then dropped yeah. down and started jamming with them. And, and then we're homies after that, yeah, you know, and went, hung out with them at another jam and That's bits awesome, and pieces. Man. And, and hip hop's done that so many times, opened so many doors when I've been fortunate enough to travel or when people have come here and I'm like, you're part of the fam. Like, yeah, let's kick yeah. it. You know, I'll take you to the local food spots and yeah, that's awesome. let's ride a track together or let's jam or, you know, whatever. Going back to that, there seems to be two streams of hip-hop culture and the mainstream culture is most often being associated with violence and gangs and so on like that. You've spoken about there being this divergence at a certain point. What was that point? Yeah, from what I understand, coming from Australia... And, and, and mm. the way that we received hip hop was like as this package, mm. you know, and it had the whole peace, unity, love and having fun. Uh, it was skills based. It was about sort of like pulling yourself up out of, you know, negative situations or, you know, empowering people. And, uh, and I was like, this is why I love hip hop. Let's get into it. But, you know, like obviously it's coming from communities where there is violence, there is, drug issues there all those sort of things and so that's obviously going to be a part of it whether you like it or not and um and i remember that you know as things developed and and people sort of started to lose touch with the original essence of what the culture was about those influences started to be a little bit more prominent in the sort of late 80s early 90s drugs hit australia pretty hard and a lot of the graph writers you know influenced by heroin gangsterism you know and i got caught up in it as well yeah. you know it was one of those things it was in the neighborhood and if you can't beat them join them and you know i got involved in 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 the local gang like everyone else did and then i just you know started to for myself started to just question it you know as we'd have another friend die overdose or you know um hit by a train you know or just end up locked up you know i was starting to head to become an adult as well in my 17 heading towards 18 where it's not just going to like a juvenile detention center it's like you go into the big house house, yeah, yeah and i started to question those things i just was like okay there, there, there must be more to this and I can see where this is going to end up. Actually, I didn't really see it first. I had a guy that, that started coming to my school that was from, a f- you know, he was connected to the New Zealand gangs, yeah, you know, yeah, the Māori yeah. gangs yeah. Um, back over in Aotearoa. And, and he sort of saw the, the, the more troubled kids in the school and said, well, you know what, I want to help you sort of, you know, not, not end up going down that path. Took us to Parramatta Prison, actually, where he did um, ministry there. And I was like, oh, I could end up here. And, uh, yeah, ended up that, yeah, I came, came to faith as, as a result of the connection with him. But also uh, there was a guy, his name's Chaim now, that painted the, the Martin Luther King, I Have a Dream mural. Oh, yeah, in Newtown, and, on, yeah, King, on King Street. Yeah, and yeah. He, he, he was living overseas. In, he was in Canada originally, and he'd felt a calling. He'd, he'd read about the gangs in Sydney, mm. and he moved to Sydney specifically to work with the gangs of which i was connected with in this in this area and uh yeah sort of he didn't really preach to me but he just sort of showed me how i could do graph as a career he had a sign writing background so he showed me how to like prepare a wall how to you know get a permission slip to do if i wanted to do it legally or whatever and uh and i like what what these guys were about and and i debated them you know and all that sort of stuff but then ultimately i was like nah i think this is the right fit for me and you know and came to faith faith has played a huge part in your 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 life really hasn't it since then i mean i know you yeah. everything from the hip-hop crew that you started brethren it, it is hip-hop it is hardcore hip-hop but it is positive it's hmm. reinforcing your faith and helping others find faith themselves yeah um your your work with the church and helping kids from those troubled areas you talked about earlier, mm. and your inspiring graph work. I mean, it all—it is like a package that you've given to people back again. That same sort of positive spirit that helps people rise above whatever it is 
Yeah, yeah. In. And that was the very nature of hip-hop, I think, is what you're saying initially. Like, yeah, we're all from pretty bad backgrounds and troubled backgrounds, but through hip-hop, through skills, through work and effort, you can kind of rise above it. You know? yeah, yeah, yeah. I would say one of the things that influenced me in that as well was um, when I was a youngster coming up, you know, like the scene was very competitive and, mm. and people, you know, kept secrets to themselves or yeah, yeah. beat each other up over graph or whatever. Mm. And... Um, uh, yeah, one of one of the guys that was one of the originals, you know, from Woolloomooloo. So a lot of the a lot of the graphs started in Woolloomooloo mm. and those sort of areas. Uh, Dem Two, uh, he was one of the kings at the time. He uh, influenced you, didn't he? Dem Two, he was one yeah, of your yeah, early influences. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, him. And so his uh, his mum was a, was my mum's friend or something. Yeah, yeah. and he was house sitting in Petersham, and uh, I found out. You know, mum said, oh, yeah, there's this friend of a friend who's house-sitting and he's a graph writer and all that sort of stuff. I'm like, mate, he's like a legend, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. And so I, I ended up going around hanging out with him and, and he sort of explained to me what it, was, what it was all about. He's probably the first person to ever do a piece in Sydney. Oh, a, really? a lot of yeah, people would yeah. say. He, he drew me a sketch and explained about letter forms and all that sort of stuff. And I remember thinking after, you know what, like there's other people that are like trying to pu- push me down, but this guy's trying to build me up. And I was like, I want to be like him. I don't want to be like that. And because I, I thought as well, like if everyone's like on the sort of pushing down tip, the culture is going to die because people are going to be discouraged. And so, you know, I, I sort of took that on board and then ultimately got into youth work because of that, you know, and was working at Marrickville Youth Resource Center. Later on, started working at Street University. I've been there for like 10 years now. And my whole thing is, you know, you can't tell kids what to do. They're just going to do the opposite if that's a result. But how can I equip them to do what they want to do? You know, and if they choose to do legal work, I, I want to help facilitate that for them. I'm not here to tell them not to, not to do illegal graffiti. That's not my call. But how can they pursue it as a career? You know, and I'll do workshops on how to write an invoice and, uh, you know, get an, help them get their ABN and, and yeah, things yeah. like that or develop their skills or encourage them to do tertiary study as, as yeah. an artist. And yeah. when I do my workshops, you know, like I, I ended up going back to art school and, and doing some training and I got a master's you know, in fine art from, from National Art School now. But, you know, I'll do things like colour theory and go through the colour wheel or whatever, which is like, oh, here we go again. But I'm like, okay, let's look at it this way. If you want your piece to stand out, how do you do it? Do you, do you use the complementary opposite colour? or you do? And I don't use terms like complementary yeah, opposite. Yeah, yeah. I just use hood talk. Yeah, 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 sure. So it yeah. resonates more with yeah, you. Yeah, 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 yeah. So is that what 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 are you currently what are you currently doing? So just getting down to business. What what do you do on a day to day basis now? So yeah, I, I always like to sort of have my um, foot in the water when it comes to community work. And so yeah, I'm doing it that out of the Street University at Liverpool at the moment. And uh, and then other than that, I'm doing freelance work. So you know, commission murals and uh, still exhibit from time to time you know i want to work towards having some exhibitions in the near future i had a few lined up actually but then covid sort of brought an end to that looking to develop more my online presence as well because it's not ne- ne- something that i naturally gravitate towards but i think um yeah i, I need to finally you know get over my fears and yeah and, yeah, yeah. yeah technophobia well i guess the art of it's so tactile man like spray painting and use hmm. being in streets it's not like this nice little studio you've got to yourself this little creative oasis where you can hide away from the world you're in the thick of it man the trucks are going by you're here yeah. hogs you people coming by gawking at your work yeah, you know, you've yeah. Got young kids just standing there and all you've got the fumes you've got yeah man it's, yeah. it's just gritty it is, yeah it is, it is very different isn't it it's, but it does take its toll i remember i was doing a big commission job with my mate jester and, uh, yeah, we had a scaff that we were using because it was mm. fairly high. And I, I calculated that I climbed up and down that scaff 84 times or something oh, really? in the yeah. one day. Yeah. And I was like, I'm 51 years old, man. I can't be doing this when I'm in my sort of like mid-60s. Yeah, yeah, you know, I need, yeah. to, need to change my tact for the long term. Yeah, you've mentioned a few people. And who have been some of the sort of past influences? Yeah, I mean, so... You know, initially when I started as a b-boy, you know, I went to school with this guy named Outlaw, yeah. uh, you know, and, and we were breaking and then we were dabbling in graph and we were terrible and, and all that sort of stuff. I moved into the city, started to meet good writers and uh, became friends with Unique, with Outlaw and Unique and a few other guys. We formed a crew called Superstars. Actually, I should say that my first piece was with my brother, Ev. Yeah. 
Ev the Rev. And, um, yeah, another guy in our breaking crew. Because Superstars was like a mega crew back then. Um, Superstars. And then there were Soul Brothers. Like a boy band. Yeah, it was like a boy band. <laughs> so what was the difference between Superstars and Soul Brothers? Because I was loosely, loosely associated with both through your brother Ev. So, yeah, yeah. so Superstars was an all-elements crew. So at that time... Breaking was, breaking was starting to die out oh, as yeah. as the initial fad of breaking. Yeah, yeah. And I think that we were the only sort of like active breaking crew in Sydney mm. for a while. I but remember we you guys well. battled the incredible B Boy All Stars. We at did some gig in at Run and, DMC yeah, at the Run yeah, DMC yeah, Derek yeah, B yeah. concert. Yeah. But yeah, so Superstars, so all, all of the all of the crew mm. from Superstars and Soul Brothers was the broader Superstars, mm. and with emerging. Artists and all that sort of stuff, but Soul Brothers was the gang of yeah. superstars. There were people in Soul Brothers that weren't necessarily in, involved in graph or breaking, but they mm. would just stomp you, <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. which you sort of needed at that particular yeah. time because it was more violent. Co- a collective understanding that there was this out, outlet um, yeah. legally, and there, but there was this element of um, part of my language. Don't fuck around. <laughs> you had some pretty intense. Yeah, and really I mean that was in the in. Yeah. In the days when rolling people was yeah, yeah. common. Well, I never got rolled, I think, because I was that's associated good. with yeah, yeah, you, yeah. you guys. Yeah, that's yeah. for sure. Well, Soul Brothers rolled a lot of people, you know, hence <laughs> why we got some really nice gear at the time. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> but, but, yeah, and then so what happened was uh, how Brethren were formed is when I came to faith and started going to church and things like that, uh, some of the Soul Brothers guys would come to church with me. Mm. And so we wanted to form like a little Christian thing mm. but we couldn't use the name soul brothers even though it sounds so christiany yeah, yeah. uh because some of the other guys were still rolling people with the jacket saying soul mm, brothers and mm. it wouldn't have been like a great yeah, example yeah. to set and so we just took half the name so brethren became mm. you know like the the hybrid of soul mm. brothers and and initially it was just like a, a group of dudes that had mm. come from gang backgrounds or or graffiti writers or mcs whatever and um yeah and then brethren became like a music crew yeah. Mind you, we used to have breakers in, mm-hmm. in our first shows. And both, when we became a music crew, it just was myself and another guy, Wisdom. But both of us were B-boys as well and poppers mm-hmm. and lockers yeah. and all that sort of stuff. So we would, like, break in our shows. And mm-hmm. and it was still all elements. You know, he mm-hmm. DJed. So within the within the two of us, we covered all the elements. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, and then, and then it went on. And then, you know, that sort of, like, Christian hip-hop, sort of like things started to develop even more we formed a little thing called in the midst because we were traveling around and there'd be like one lonely christian mc in his church Mm. in queensland and he's like i'm the only one no one understands and we understand you bro and so then you know that formed this community called Mm. in the midst and then that became a a regular meeting called crosswords crosswords yeah Yeah. yeah. and so uh crosswords started meeting in sydney other people in other states said can we start it Mm. A few years later, we st- we had a, like an annual get together called Uprock, and then other people that w- we would bring out from overseas were like, mm-hmm. "Hey, we like what you're doing. Can we start that in our relative mm-hmm. countries as well?" And so mm-hmm. it just became this this big sort of network. Could you interchange any spiritual faith based structure? I'm just going to use very objective terms. If you if like it doesn't have to be Christian, it could be whatever faith brings you positive joy. But yeah. that's essentially what you're trying to convey through hip-hop culture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Positivity, bringing people out. If you're outcomes-focused, the objective, I would imagine, I'm, I'm throwing words in your mouth yeah, here, yeah, yeah, yeah. But the objective is to bring people out of whatever state they're in, if they're in a negative environment or home or whatever. Or, or, or just provide an outlet if they choose to. Shoot an outlet. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And, and so we would work with, like, groups like Zulu Nation, yeah. you know, which is a secular hip-hop thing, but their whole thing was, or I think Zulu Nation still exists, but there's been some mm. issues um, about hip-hop as a culture. Sure. You know, as opposed to just like, I rap because I like rap and I want to yeah, make a million yeah. dollars. Yeah. You know, like, we're not about that. No, you know, we're about yeah. like, if you're going to do it, do it properly and understand. Yeah. Otherwise, it's just taking the culture. Because you guys... You guys lived it hard, and you still do. And, it, and it's, that's that's what was so inspiring for me. Like when I just growing up in Petersham, I know you came from Bankstown and then moved to Petersham with your brother and your family. I've been to your house, by the way, <laughs> with, with Reverend Ev. <laughs> yeah. um, and and I, I used to see your stuff in the room. I used to see your sketches, and Rev revered you pretty much because he looked up to you as his brother. He would never admit. He that. would never admit no. that. But like your your technique was just absolutely mind blowing, and it was so futuristic. And but I could see as someone who also likes 
martial arts. I could see the links between, you know, Asian calligraphy or Islamic calligraphy and, and, um, the letter forms and the shapes and the beautiful, um, ebb and flow of lines and the rhythm through visual, uh, you know, the, the, the visuals that you use and the balance and the light shade and the negative spaces. And it really inspired me to re- pursue a career in, in, mm. in the arts myself. And, and I can honestly say it was moments looking at your work or um, just being around that culture uh, that I think is where it started, you know. So if it wasn't really for hip-hop, I don't think I would have realised my love for um, uh, graphic design and and I wouldn't have been able to at least package them all together. It's funny we keep coming back to that word package. Package Mm. them all together in a way that made sense to a kid that lived in the inner west of Sydney, Mm. one of the most multicultural, ethnically and culturally diverse parts of yeah, Sydney, yeah. you know, and with this love of hip-hop and yeah, know, yeah. sort of the, like a gateway to other subcultures, it almost yeah, became yeah. an artistic form. You know? Yeah, that's yeah. great to hear. I mean, one of the things that hip-hop promotes, and, and this is one of the sort of tenets of Zulu Nation, is like mm. knowledge of self as an element of hip-hop. Mm. And so that encourages you to know, well, who the hell am I, you know, yeah. which I think we're all searching for, and, and hip-hop can encourage that, but also to know your history and to know your context and you know growing up in australia where rock music was the most dominant music that you would hear when we're hearing rap music that's sampling artists like james brown or parliament funkadelic or mm. whatever we're like who are these people that we're, yeah. we're not really familiar with in australia and so mm. it really encouraged me to look into where the music's being sampled from yeah you know yeah, and yeah. and even from an artistic perspective you know like lettering looking into Celtic calligraphy, mm. you know, and, and being blown away because I'm studying wild-style graph that you can't read, and then I come across the Book of Kells, yeah. which has, you know, like these crazy wild styles from, you know, like yeah. hundreds and hundreds of years ago, and all of that stuff, you know, Islamic calligraphy, Hebrew calligraphy, like mm. all that. Yeah, it just opens your mind to so many other things and then influences you yeah. as, as a result. Going back to you were saying, yeah, really understanding where you where you come from that was a topic we had a quick little talk about whilst we were grabbing our grabbing our coffee which i'll have mm. a sip of and um as kids growing up in sydney we we were probably um not so much an anomaly but we were just another kid in the areas we did another kid from a place mm. but we were all australian for the most part right but it's still it's funny how you get asked that question where are you from if you don't mm. look like us race plays a massive part in hip-hop culture and it was mm. an outlet to be able to bring people a certain level of understanding of the lives and the experiences that yeah. people who aren't the mainstream go through. Mm. And um, and I guess it talks to cultural identity. Like maybe you wanted to speak a little about how you identify culturally, you know, um, because it, for many Australians, they'll say, I'm Australian, but where are you actually from? If yeah. You ask many Australians where they're actually from, they couldn't tell you, almost as though they don't care. You know, so. Or they dismiss it. You know, yeah, like I, yeah. I remember, I was at a wedding once, and um, and someone asked my wife, uh, "Where are you from?" And she's mm-hmm. like, oh, "I'm from I'm from Erskineville." Mm-hmm. And they were like, "Oh no, where are you really from?" And then she was like, "Well, not that it really matters, but I'm Australian. But you know, like my my parents are from Fiji and mm-hmm. and stuff like that." And then she said, "Where are you from?" Mm-hmm. And they, they took offence to it. Yeah, yeah. You know, and they were sort of like taken aback and they were like, I'm Australian. It's a legitimate legitimate question. Yeah, and she was like, well, unless you're Aboriginal, then you're not really, Mm. you know. Mm. (laughs) And and, and they were really confronted and then they were Mm. like, oh, maybe some Scottish. And she said, well, you should look into it. Yeah. You know, you might find it interesting. Yeah. And and for me, growing up in areas where, you know, my friends were such a diverse group, whether they be from Cambodia or Greece or, Mm. you know, Samoa or whatever – I was like, what the hell am I? You know, mm-hmm. and so I started to take an interest in it. And um, one of the things that, you know, that, that, that we were talking about before was when I was a little kid, my mum my, my, my and dad are involved in theatre and creative stuff like that. And my dad was directing the theatre show Fiddler on the Roof. And so he, he had my brother and, and I in it. I don't know how old I was, like eight or nine or something like that. And my mum was in it. And then I was like, who are these weird people that wear these weird little hats and these little tassels on their clothes? And, and my dad was like, oh, listen, you've got to understand that's part of your heritage, you know, like um, that's through your mum's dad, you know. He yeah. was, they were, you know, Jewish. And, and so I was like, oh, 
okay, that's interesting. I, I don't know. And so started to learn more about the pogroms and obviously the, you know, the, the history of, of European Jews. And, and, and so I started to look into it visiting the synagogue. I was like, well, what do they speak? You know, oh, they spoke Yiddish, but originally they would have spoke Hebrew. And, and so started to go to Ivrit classes to learn Hebrew. And my mum's mum was of Irish heritage, Irish Catholic. And, and I knew that they were from Tipperary and, and stuff like that. And so I just did that for, for a while to work out who the hell I was. And, uh, and then when my grandfather died, I sort of continued with some of the uh, tr- Jewish traditions, you know, for mourning and um, made made the trip to Israel. And, and uh, yeah, but then I also went to the little village in Ireland where, where my grandmother's family were from as well. So, you know, I, and, and I found that that just sort of like added a lot of context, you know, and but those things influenced my music, you know. Sometimes I've got tracks where I rap in English Hebrew, oh, really? you know, not yeah. that I speak it fluently, but a little bit. Yeah. So, you know, I think I think it's important. Yeah, and it all goes back to the knowledge of self. And I'm inspired by the the want to learn more about your culture. And it could be that you've got Jewish ancestry, Aboriginal ancestry, Irish ancestry. I just that purpose to understand more about you, I love. Now I'm hugely into genealogy, and I can tell you, and I have told my listeners many times uh, stories about my my discoveries. And um, yeah, I I've been on a bit of a journey myself and, and mm. DNA has helped that because I can look at my DNA now and I've analyzed it through all the various platforms Jedmatch being a really good one mm. and it's brought up some amazing surprises mm. for, for for me but anyway no plug for Jedmatch but I I I just really get inspired by him yeah. those journeys you know and those journeys of discovery and and longing to give our ancestors a uh, bit of honor bit of honor yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean yeah in in a similar way like um I used to ask my grandmother, is there Aboriginal in there? Because, mm. you know, like I looked at some of the photos, some of the family looked mm. Aboriginal and, mm. and she was like, no, 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 no. Oh, it was very taboo, right? Yeah, I mean, but would... funnily enough, like my grandmother's best friend was Aboriginal. Yeah. My grandmother's mum's best friend was Aboriginal. There was all these Irish Aboriginal yeah, connections. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then after my grandmother died, I asked my grandmother's sister. I mm. said, do you think that, you know, and I saw mm. looking at the photos and she goes, we've often wondered. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I think, you know, like, People shied away from that because they wanted to fit in. Yes. Even, even yeah, my grandfather, yeah. you know, with his Jewish, you know, um, heritage, I saw him straight up tell people that he wasn't Jewish, mm, yeah. you know. and mm. But then to, to myself, on the side, he was like, yeah, we are, and this mm. is where we're from, and blah, blah, mm. blah, 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 blah. Yeah, my wife was interested in it as well because, you know, like she's obviously – you know, Pacific Islander looking at her. And so she started going to the Jewish Genealogy Society to find my heritage. Sure. And um, and obviously for our kids as well, for them mm. to know who they were. And, man, it just opened this, like, whole Pandora's box because once we realised that they had an anglicised name, a Germanic name, because mm. they were Ashkenazi, and a Hebrew name, once we found the Hebrew names, it just went bang, 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 mm. all the way through because it was like Ben, 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 which means son of, Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, it just went all what the way an back. Amazing discovery, man! That's so. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. That's really inspiring. What's your favourite piece of work, both your own and some work that you've seen that really ins- has inspired you? My, my own work doesn't really inspire <laughs> me, man. To be honest, yeah. um, I don't know. Like it, it changes from from day to day. To be yeah, honest, yeah. and you know, I'm I'm just sort of like trying to just like that whole martial arts thing. Every time I do a work, I just want to do a better one yeah like yeah, i'm competing yeah. against myself well what is your creative process though because you've got a very unique style and if you're inspired by all these sort of cultures and elements and backgrounds and your own research and your own background what's your creative process if you could talk us through what how you start a piece how you get inspired to create the piece like what's the process i mean one thing that i would say is that every every piece i do would have some sort of foundation in your classic new york hip-hop Sure. You know, and um, it's it's like the way I dress, everything will have sneakers. It's <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, you know, yeah. you can have a crappy car, but if you have a nice set of chrome rims on it, <laughs> it just automatically makes it look gangster, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and so there will always be elements of funk. Yeah. In, in yeah. my, in, in, in my lettering or my characters or, yeah. or whatever. And because funk music influenced Rap music, yeah, you know, hip-hop yeah. music. Um, and do you have that idea in your head first? Uh, like, how does it manifest itself? 
Uh, it's it's so I, I really like to work with other people where people give me something just as a seed, and then mm. I run with that. Sure, you know, because sometimes I, if I can't just sit in an empty room and just come up with ideas. Yeah. Actually, I used to work for General Pants Company and surf, dive, and ski, and and do graphic design for them. And this is in the days of hand drawing everything, yeah, by the yeah. way. And they'd be like, okay, we need a T-shirt designer, we need a label or whatever. Yeah. And so my creative process was like, oh, I'm going to duck out for a bit and I'd go down to the comic store yeah, and, oh, and, I'd right. just, and I'd just read comics for a bit. You know, I should have paid for them and bought them, but <laughs> I did the whole uh, read them in the store thing. And then I thought, oh, that color scheme, that's it. And then the color scheme would trigger something and then I'd go back and then come up with something. Or And when you're coming up with it, do you sketch it out on paper first? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so... I would do everything on paper. Yeah. Uh, only recently have I started using programs. Yeah. So sure. yeah, I, I bought Procreate like a year ago, and and only just now am I starting to use it properly. Properly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I'm old school with that. I still love. So you sketch on tones, and I've always wondered how you scale it up. Like I, I, like I never really did big scale pieces. I do throw up throw ups. Mm. And really bad tags that I have toy written <laughs> over, like, toy written it's over raw. within like a day. <laughs> no one touches your pieces; they're like they're like masterpieces. Oh, there's been right? moments, but anyway. Yeah. But um, how, how do you how did you scale it up more for the listeners? Because I could say I I have got a firm idea, but like I mean, I'm from that generation where you just had the bit of paper and you just did it by eye. You know, um, when I'm doing a major wall, you know, I might have to grid it or I might have to project it, but usually that's just for time. To, to save time, um, you know, there's, there's there's that generation where you just ha- you just yeah. standing in front of the wall and you just have to make it look bigger, yeah. <laughs> you know. And yeah. and there was a period where I had some nerve damage in 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 my left hand. I'm left-handed when I draw, but I'm right-handed when I paint. It's sort of weird. Funny, man? Yeah, so I had to freestyle. Left-handed when you draw, but yeah, right-handed it's weird. when you paint. Yeah, I don't know. I'll be in the circus one day. Crazy, but um. But yeah, so for there was there was like eighteen months or something where I had to just paint straight on the wall, and mm. I would just have to tell people, clients, whatever, trust me, this is what it's going to yeah, look like, yeah, and yeah. just go raw straight on the wall. So you paper first, and then you go straight onto the wall, essentially. Yeah. But you're inspired by color schemes. You take influence from anything comics, from comics to yeah, fine yeah. art. To what comics do you read these days? I used to love Ninja Turtles. Ninja Turtles. And the Junk Waffle. What yeah, was it called? Yeah. Um, because the Junk Waffle was like a... Cheech Wizard and Cheech, Vaughan Cheech, Bode and, and all Vaughan that. Bo- Vaughan Bode was amazing, like the stuff yeah, that he yeah. used to do. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. initially, when I was a little kid, and, and my parents would have dinner parties with people, mm. uh, one of my uncles, he had a lot of Mad Magazines. And oh, so I'd yeah. just sit in the room just reading Mad Magazines. Yeah. Funnily enough, years later, I ended up working for Mad Magazine. you know, And um, so Mad Magazine, so Mort Drucker and all yeah, those guys. Yeah. And uh, Spy vs. Spy and stuff. Yeah. Obviously, Disney, you know, had yeah. a big influence on me as well. Um, when I was 15 or 16, I went to Japan to train martial arts and anime blew yeah. my mind. Oh, yeah, it wasn't sure. really in Australia at the time. All we had was like Astro Boy or yeah. Kimber or whatever. But when I saw like multi-story buildings just full of comics, you know, yeah. anime yeah. K- killed me, you know. Because your your characters are quite anime-like in that they've got the big heads, the big eyes. Mm. Did you... And you were the first one doing that style of character in Australia, I think. Well, yeah. I, well, I didn't invent it. No. no. So, um, one the of oversized the... oversized shoes and stuff. Yeah, yeah so how, how that came about was, you know, when when Breaking and Hip Hop first came to Australia, it was like, we didn't have video recorders. Like, we couldn't tape music videos that had graph in it. You know, a few rich kids had it, and all they had on video was like, Jaws and American Werewolf in London, yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. but like we'd go to the cinema and watch mm-hmm. Beach Street or Breakdance yeah. or whatever, and so we'd have to try and remember the graffiti, you know, mm-hmm. and, and mm-hmm. we'd seen the movie 15 times, so we knew when it was coming up mm-hmm. and try and, you know, exercise our photographic memory, but what happened was uh, Rocksteady Crew released some album covers, and on the 12-inch of the song Uprock, it had characters by Devious Doe's from Rocksteady Crew, mm-hmm. and those influenced me Majorly, and they were influenced by Vaughan Bode, I, I would say yeah, as yeah, well. Yeah, the skinny legs, the flared out um, feet, bottom yeah. with the sh- with the shoes and all that sort of big shoes and big hands and big heads and stuff, and the little chubby tummies and yeah. all that. Um, and so there's there's a whole generation of graph writers like Cantu from Germany and 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 a bunch of others that were influenced by those big mm. time. And when those came here a few years ago, I had I'd had a chat to him and I said, "Bro, I should be paying you percentage of of mm. of 
you know, anything I've made from Graph because it's mm. still inspired by, by your characters. I follow Doze on Instagram and I would yeah. encourage, is he based in Hawaii or something or is he? I'm not sure. Yeah, Doze. Not sure. He gets around. Doze Green is his surname. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Doze yeah. Green, for those who don't know Doze, Doze. And he does some really kind of crazy, cerebral. Spun stuff. Yeah. Shapes are just merged. It is very Vaughn Bode. I used to say Vaughn Bode. There you go. I think it's, I think Vaughan it's Bode. 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 Yeah. yeah. But Vaughn, Vaughn, Vaughn Bode, like Doze, very pro- provocative, very sexual sort of imagery. You yeah, know, like yeah. Really kind of, but it's 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 still kind of accessible, you know, because it's in that hip hop kind of yeah, graph yeah. style. You know, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, Shout outs to to Doze Green as well, guys. And he's he's mm. he's the Don when it comes to yeah. the, the classic b boy character. Mm. But I remember when Mark Bode was here, Vaughn's mm. son, because Vaughn passed away, and Mark continues to make the comics and stuff. Uh, someone introduced me to him, and I was working for Mad at the time. Mm. And they said, "Oh, this mystery is a graph writer, but works for Mad Magazine." And he was like, "I love Mad," yeah. and so we ended up kicking it oh, at man. Kinsella's yeah. in the city. I remember Kinsella's. Yeah, yeah and uh, uh, and then he yeah. drew me a sketch. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. of like oh, awesome, Cheech man. Wizard and stuff yeah. like that. So yeah, Cheech Wizard was a big influence, mm. and then you know later on things like Samurai Jack and yeah, yeah, you know um, Clone Wars, and yeah. you know I still I still love my comics, C- comic artist wise, and Berta Ramos and Carlos mm. Meglia and. Simon Bisley and yeah. you know a whole bunch of different people and I yeah. you know you go through trends where I want to yeah. get into the real gritty style or the real simplified graphics. Speaking of the style. gritty style, I saw that tiger. You it was like this. T- it's a tiger or lion? Was it that you did up in Petersham? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's like a robotic lion or tiger. That was that was pretty gritty. I think that's yeah. yeah. <laughs> that that was that was yours, right? I, l- sure. I like painting animals yeah, as well. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. But in terms of. Um, Vaughan Bode, I remember uh, around about the sort of late 80s, early, maybe early, so no, sorry, mid 80s, uh, Kevin Eastman and Laird released mm. this uh, franchise called The Ninja Turtles. Yeah. And you could see that they had been influenced by Vaughan Bode quite a bit because their Hardcore. original characters were raw. And yeah. like the Ninja Turtles, when they first started, were these urban sort of freaks. And it was all about that subculture, these urban freaks who... In the, in the sewers. Sewers, and, and they swore, and they cut people's heads off, and yeah. they were drawn like hip-hop characters. Yeah, and they yeah. didn't have pupils in their eyes. No, They were just no. plain white eyes. Yeah, I've yeah. got I've got one early Ninja Turtle comic, and it says, this is an authorised martial arts manual. <laughs> and it teaches you how to use nunchucks. Uh, that was yeah, fantastic, yeah. man. Yeah, yeah. Isn't that cool? Who are, In terms of the current crop of street artists, you know, you can rattle off names like uh, Beastman and Banksy, Mulga, Fibs... Uh, Finton McGee, Scotty Marsh, Sharon Billinge. And, you know, you see a lot of Scotty Marsh's work around here. He's sort of mm. tapping into that political, cultural. What part does provocation and politics have in street art? Scotty Marsh, his street art is very different to yours. In it's kind of like more like your classic fine art. But um, he's got a graffiti background. He as does well. have a graffiti yeah, background, yeah. 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 What are your yeah. thoughts on some of these artists and I mean, I think graffiti by its very nature is provocative. Yeah. You know, yeah. and um there are two sort of streams, you know, yeah. and, and a lot of us that have come from a graffiti background are doing jobs which would be sort of seen as street art. Uh, mm. I, I don't consider myself a street artist, I consider myself a graffiti writer still. Street art and graffiti writer. Why is there that distinction? Well, it's like we've always done big murals and things like that, but graffiti writing, and hence why I'm not a graffiti artist but a writer, is because it's about writing our name. And that's the statement. The statement is, here I am, you know, and um, and I think that that egotistical nature, so to speak, uh, is why the majority of mainstream society doesn't really like graffiti in its in its Well, the word sense. has become... Um it's almost like you try and avoid using the word graffiti. The G it, word. The G word. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And why do you think that is? Why? Uh, because it's not really inclusive. Mm. It's like like wild-style lettering, for example. You can't read it, you know? And graffiti writers are like, well, we don't care. It's not for you. It's for us. And so it's, it is it is a bit exclusive, whereas street art is is things that people can understand a little bit more. Imagery, paintings of birds, people... Uh, scenery, plants, you know, and things like that. And so it's the more palatable version for the general public. And don't get me wrong, there are there are many of us that sort of like will fluctuate, fluctuate yeah. back and forth, you know. If there was a continuum of hip-hop culture and graffiti writing was on one end and um, pictures of birds 
was on the other. Are there boundaries to the subculture? I mean, that like, some people can play in and don't, will play in or won't play in. Like, do I feel like I have the permission if I'm um, painting zoological sort of characters in a very classic art space? Do I have that? Because I know it can be a bit clicky. It can be a bit. Yeah, I mean, I think they're all interconnected, and mm. and there would be the keep it real police that are like, unless it's a name on a train with paint that you've stolen, then it's not considered. Yeah, graffiti. that's where I'm trying to that's, get that's at. I'm one, very clumsily trying to get to that. Point. Yeah, so yeah. that's one at one end of the, mm. the good continuum. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but what I would say is, so so say for example, like painting birds and and things like that. If it's working with spray paint, then it automatically has that connection with graph. A lot of us that started out with graph, started out with tags, throw-ups, pieces, whatever it may be, and then we've developed our art. And this, like I said, this is generalizations, whereas the, the street art community might be art school that now have gone onto the street. The street, yeah, I see. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, And it's not always like that, don't get me wrong, but that would be sort of a clear way of defining it. Yeah. Yeah. How many walls do you reckon you've painted in your life? Oh, have no idea. Like, I'll, I'll probably do three or four on average a week. Wow, that And many. it's been, like, what is it, 80, 83, 84, sort of started then. So, whatever that averages out to, you know. Yeah. And who are you currently working with? Like, who are some of the places you work with? Um, I mean, like, like graph writer-wise. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. You know, I've been working a lot with my mate, Jester, you know, um, Mikey Freedom. He, he he's, he's from a... He's a graph writer, but he's been doing some stuff under the pseudonym Mikey Freedom as well, sure, sure. which is experimenting in different stuff. I've been helping him on, on a big commission that he's been doing. Um, my mate Days, uh, you know, he, like he's, he's from this area as well, and uh, from a from a graph graph you know graph background. Sorry, sure. Um, and we, we did a few jobs together, but then we were like, nah, now we just got to rock some walls just to. Yeah. Just to represent, so like just lettering with characters yeah, and, yeah. and classic graph, and and our our diabolical plan is to bring graph back into the inner west. Not yeah. not that it's a graph versus street art thing, but yeah, mm. the reason that street art is is around here is because graph set the tone. Yeah, you know, yeah. and and my mate Chaim that did the um the Martin Luther King thing, he got a lot of these walls legal. Back in yeah. the 80s, which have now got street art on What is the process for getting a wall legal, though? Because there are some classic pieces that have stayed up there for as long as like I can remember. And why don't people, like you see some work by Fibs that doesn't get touched or your work that doesn't get touched, why don't people, is it this cultural hip-hop um, unwritten rule of respect? I know the answers to this, but I'd love you to speak to that for our listeners who may not. Because you see some walls get, there's that, there's that attraction in Melbourne which is apparently an ode uh, uh, to graffiti, and it's just a mess. And it's just everyone who goes through this thing that will just write something and everyone will right. tag all over each other. It's that little alley in Melbourne and, and all the hipsters take photos in front of these shit pieces, you know. Right. And, and, and you've got some stuff in Melbourne that just stays there forever. Or likewise in Sydney, that just stays there forever. No one touches. What is the rule there? And what's what? There is a little bit of an honour among thieves, so to speak. And so, you know, there there were sort of rules. So, like, you know, a tag is first. A throw up can go over a tag. A piece can go over a throw up. You know, and it's like you know the woman that ate the fly or whatever it is. You know, um, and then a production goes over everything, sort of thing. But. Not necessarily everyone now knows those rules because that was sort of like just passed on by the by the graph community, um, but yeah, like and, and and there are factions yeah, yeah. between that, and not everyone agrees on on some of those rules as well. So yeah, it's a tough one, but you know, it, there's 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 also the thing of like if you, you do the door knock appeal and and you get that wall as yours, then that's your wall. Yeah. So if you get a legal wall and and someone else goes over it. That's over it. disrespectful. Yeah, sure. You know, sure. and um, and there's been over the years many punch-ons over yeah, over yeah. things like that, or like, you know, if you disrespected them, or yeah, yeah. Or, or things like that. You know, uh, one of the walls that I've been painting, I've been painting that same wall since 80, 86, 87. Yeah, you know, and I've done yeah. it multiple times. So, 
you know, you just update it after a while. And that's the thing, graph graph is not one of those things that's meant to be there forever, mm, no. you know. So, I mean, even though it's your heart and soul on a wall, if someone goes over it, it's hard to not get cut. Mm. But, um, yeah, it's also part of the culture. Would you say there's, there's parallels with branding? You know, so you've talked about the true writers, those who are writing their name, they're getting their name out, they're getting their brand out there. And for mm. my advertising and marketing people, there's some really strong parallels. How important is visibility and, and reach and all those concepts? Of like frequency, like how many times people see the wall, the visibility of that wall, how many people are exposed to it. Like, do those things, because yeah. sometimes you might have a wall that's painted on the back of a place in Newtown, or you might get this prime front and center. All and sundry. All and sundry. All and yeah. sundry. It's like the aim is getting up. Yeah. You know, and, and I'm pretty sure that the term came from getting your name up in lights, mm. like, you know, like in a movie yeah. cinema or whatever. And so, Getting a high-profile wall on a main road, everyone sees it. Painting a train where everyone sees it as it travels around. Mm. But then again, also, in a back alley, mm. someone goes to take a slash in a back alley and then they see this, this like tag that. that's in the middle of nowhere underneath like a balcony. They're like, yeah. oh, snap. You know? yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And, and I've heard you know, different people talk about different writers that they were like, man, this this writer's tag was in this like obscure spot, you know, yeah. and then that's you remember it, and that's yeah. like advertising as well, you know, yeah, like if yeah. you do it in some shifty way where they're like, oh, you got me, yeah. you know, yeah, yeah, really, as long as the context is right, yeah, it's yeah, kind of yeah, like yeah, you're understanding your audience, you know that someone who will re- appreciate this tag, yeah, yeah, will see it in that spot. In terms of side hustles, you, it sounds like you've. <laughs> You've got a lot of work on your plate in terms of keeping busy with the community and doing three pieces, did you say, uh, a month? On average, there's times where I'm doing... Uh, a, no, a week, sorry. A week, wow. Oh, sometimes it depends, you know, yeah, like yeah. sometimes it's more and sometimes it's Dude, less, that you is, know? I don't know how you do it, man. How, how do you avoid the fumes? Gas <laughs> <Just laughs> mask. I wouldn't like to... Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So three... So community work, three pieces a week. Um, Maybe I overestimate. Let's say two. Let's two, say two a week, yeah. Two pieces a week. We are in... Erskineville people, Someone's you can hear trying the to steal a car. So no, it's, it's, it's not Erskineville like that. It's the new no, Erskineville. It's the new Erskineville. It yeah. could change a little bit. Yeah, yeah. No one's stealing cars around here. Uh, I might just wait for that. <laughs> <laughs> the alarm has stopped now. You've probably got enough on your plate. Um, what other things are you sort of doing or toying with or experimenting with? Because it feels like you've, your stuff can be applied to a broad range of mediums and modalities. And well, one of the things that I always say to the to the young artists that I'm working with is like. The reason that I've been able to pursue art and creativity as a career is because I've just had to do multiple things to keep regular income coming in. So whether it be a mural or doing a T-shirt design or doing a tattoo design or whatever, whatever's clever, man, you know. And so, you know, at the moment, you know, a lot of my friends have been doing NFTs and things like that and I've been discussing it with them. And, like, ultimately, if it's really about getting getting up and getting your name out there, then utilize the internet it's global and um especially for elder statesmen like myself you know i can easily design something you know in my room sitting comfortably with blanket over my knees yeah you know watching parkinson no i'm joking (laughs) Uh, bbc Uh, no joking bbc falling asleep after your five o'clock news from fall of the bailey and then um Uh, faulty towers. Yeah, actually, you're not allowed to watch it now. Nah, it's cool. Oh, yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I still do find it funny. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, and so I'm like, okay, well, it's, I've got to get over my, my technophobia and, uh, and start well, to you did say look that. my online, like, online yeah. stuff and graphic yeah. design. And, and, and to be honest... Why you know, haven't you done it already, dude? I mean, that seems like the perfect I'm jump, scared. jumping off I'm scared, point man. from, from the tactile physical world to the um yeah. to the, the, the digital world you man. brought up you brought up something uncomfortable i am un, i am i am scared i'm scared yeah. this has become dr phil hasn't it it has a little yeah. bit i'm very sorry man <laughs> i'm very sorry You're bringing my fears to the surface <laughs> thanks so for our younger ones who aren't watching grumpole of the bailey and <laughs> and the goodies and, and and astro boy back in the day and all that stuff monkey well magic. not the monkey magic oh monkey magic was a massive influence right hardcore so for yeah. those who aren't watching monkey magic go out and do it now <laughs> I'm sure you can download it legally, um, but if you if you're a young artist, whether you, you be a street artist or a writer, a graph writer, or, or otherwise, what would your advice be for them? Like, what's the best way to hone your craft? What's the best way to get involved uh, in in 
getting up, having their work being um, prolific, what, what, what's your advice for them? Do it because you like it. Yeah. Do do what you like, you know, like, okay, fair enough, sometimes I have to, to do commissions where it's not necessarily things that float my boat, but I'll try and lean it towards something that at least I find interesting, yeah. you know, and um, and that, that makes it rewarding. Um, you know, I heard, I heard one of your guests talk about, oh, I think you might have said it actually, um, do what you're good at, yeah, yeah. you know, and then develop develop that you know so like i was drawing comics but i'm like oh damn now i need to actually develop my comic skills so then i started Mm -hmm. watching tutorials i've been watching tutorials now again because i think i've plateaued as an artist sure you know so don't just rest on your laurels but continue to develop yeah what you've got a natural love for and and some skills that you that you have as well and even if you're not natural at it you know sometimes Mm -hmm. you know i i know you know, young people that aren't necessarily, they don't click with things easily, but they just push through and then they just start to excel, mm-hmm. you know, and, mm-hmm. and start to lead in, in whether it be music or breaking or whatever, yeah. you know. So do what you're good at. Um, and so, so what would an example of that be? So if I was better at lettering, I'd just go hard down a particular That's it. style that I have developed myself. And even if it doesn't start out being very good, I just keep developing and crafting. It's that 10,000 hours thing. Like you get really good at that style, which yeah. is what you've done. I mean, your style is so unique, but it's progressed and it's, uh, it, it's, you've gotten to a point where now you can be more, not now, but like, you're more playful from where you were. You can see, but you can still see you've remained true to your original style. Yeah, because there is a temptation to follow, you mm, know. And mm. uh, I was actually interviewing a friend of mine, Falco, from South Africa, a graph writer, and, and we were talking about this very subject. And I was saying one of the things that I used to find that I would fall into is if I was painting with people that I, I looked up to or I love their style, I would try and sort of compromise my style to meet mm. them halfway. And what I would do is end up doing a half-assed version of myself yeah. while they were doing 100% themselves. Yeah, yeah. And then I was like, no, 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 I've just got to do me on, on the wall and do the best that I can of my own style. Mm-hmm. And then I think it's paying more respect to them sure. as well, sure. you know, instead of compromising. Yeah. Where can people see more of your work in person? Uh, there's paintings all over the place. Yeah. I mean, I we're, can't we're say some... a specific location. I mean, I'm hoping to paint more in the inner west again yeah. now that I'm back what in the area. Your, what about your pieces that are currently up now, like for, for Sydney siders who... There's a few at Petersham. Yeah, there's there's yeah. one near Petersham Station. Yeah. Um, that's the wall that I've been painting since, I think, 86, 87. Yeah, yeah. And, um, yeah, there's, there's, there's more in store. More in yeah, store. Yeah, yeah. Now, if you were to sum up in a bite of wisdom, you're a very wise man. You've got oh, a lot of you. street knowledge. Is it the grey? Is it yeah, the grey? Yeah, okay, yeah. you, you. I like the wizard. The long hair. You're George Clooney mixed with Gandalf. I think so. You look yeah. a little Gandalf with the long hair, man. It's Thanks, not grey. The beard's greyer than your hair, which is Thank quite you. quite odd. It's I'm a, wearing full glam rock clothes <laughs> for those that are full fluoro. We'll get a selfie and we'll yeah. throw it. We'll, we'll, we'll put it up on the Instagrams, but. If you were to sum up, like in a practical little bite of wisdom, um, call it like a throw up, call it a bar. Okay. Call it a bar. No pressure. You're giving me more and more pressure. I'm feeling it, man. A hip hop bar that will inspire people in a sentence, right? What would it be? I'm going to go back to one of my sermons and and, I'm not not wanting to come across preachy, but obviously, you know, coming from a faith-based perspective, I know know that the whole podcast is about encouraging creativity. Yeah. And so one of the things that I sort of have tried to communicate to, to the Crosswords crew and to other people that I'm involved um, with in ministry is that we were created by a creator to be like the creator and be creative, right? And so when we're being creative, we're fulfilling our purpose. That's you know? yeah. and, and whether that be creative in a visual art sense, whether that be creative in the way that you raise your children, whether that be creative in hospitality in your career, you know, where, you know, obviously we draw from, sorry, this sentence get a bit long, isn't it? We draw from, from our influences, but then we always add our own flavor, which makes it unique, yeah, yeah. you know? So I can I can summarize that by saying something like that. To honor the creator, you have to be creative sort of Ooh, thing. Oh, you said it much better than me. <laughs> I'm going to put that on a T-shirt and I'm going to quote you and I'll be like, damn. I've never really thought about it like that. And you're the first person who's ever framed it that way. Um, and it makes total sense. Whatever you believe your creator is, is the ultimate creator. Yeah. <laughs> and we're created 
yeah, in that in image. That image yeah, 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 to yeah. create. Matt, thanks, Mystery, it's an for honor. Um, being It's an honor this- to be in the lineup. <laughs> it's amazing people that you've interviewed. Yeah, man. I, and you are, uh, like, I've wanted to interview you from day dot, to be brutally oh, honest. Thank so, you. where can we go to find out more about you in terms of the? I know you hate the digital aspect of things. You're getting there. You're getting a bit more comfortable with it. But where do we go to find out more? I mean, about I'm, you? On, I'm on Instagram. Instagram. Um, yep. Mystery with an I M I S T E R Y and yep. then 973, the numbers. Great. And feel free to say hello. Say, yeah. Hit me up and say, I fully disagree with what you said. That, please, man. <laughs> where, can, uh, where can the young kids who might want to get a bit of spiritual guidance go? To, to... So Crosswords is the yeah. ministry that I'm involved with. That's spelled K-R-O-S-S-W-E-R-D-Z. It's hip-hop spelling. It's not because I went to school in Bankstown. <laughs> and uh, also uh, the Street University is where I run the pro- programs and, you know, it's, it's a, you know, secular organization and, and, you know, so I'm just running skill-based things there, you know, and uh, whether it be graph or helping with the studio, we have recording studios where people can record their lyrics and, and uh, yeah, breaking sessions and, you know, all that sort of dance studios. Fantastic. Absolute pleasure, man. Thank and, you. Uh, it'd be wrong of me not to say um, peace out. And uh, <laughs> peace. peace, we'll catch up um, soon, man. It's been it's been great. What Excellent. an awesome chat! Thank you. Cheers, man. That's oh, excuse language. <laughs> See, <laughs> oh, you can Lord. always tell when I get a bit excited. I start swearing, which I don't do very often on the podcast. To be brutally honest, it's very hip hop. And I'll, hip-hop. Cu- I'll cut that out. I'll cut that out. <laughs> but um, yeah, thanks, man. Thanks, man. Really, Thank really you. Cool. Yeah, ah, man, cool. Really, really cool. Man. If you'd like to find out more about me or the B Side podcast, please visit jamesbside.com. That's one word jamesbside.com. And you can follow me on Instagram at bsidepodcast. If you have any suggestions or feedback on the show, please email me at hello at jamesbside.com. And don't forget to rate, review and subscribe. The B-Side with James Barrow is produced by me, and I really hope it's helped unlock your creative potential. Thanks for listening, and until next episode, cheers.